time to watch challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you find listeners. My name is Aaron Spears. And I'm Mike Went. And this episode's challenge is female directed horror. And Aaron, you know, we, you know, this is, uh, we're in the month of March. So this is yep. Women's History Month. So we, you know, we definitely picked, I think, a good one for, uh, for the month of March here. Oh, absolutely. We'll have to, I, I'll put a link maybe in the, I guess in our show notes for it. You sent me the most helpful list <laughs> that, oh, yeah. that could have happened. If you want to explain that, how you found yeah. that. Um, so I was, uh, you know, in preparation for this episode a few weeks back, I, um, I was just Googling female directed horror films and, you know, obviously IMDb and, and Google brought up a bunch of, but this one particular link on movie.com, so that's M-U-B-I.com, which is a, you know, a pretty good, it's a site, but also a streaming service. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe it's, I think it's like $5 a month or something like that. But they've curated a list in chronological order from 1966 yeah. to 2022 of all these horror films directed by female directors. So uh, I definitely, this was like the Bible for, oh my God, yeah, <laughs> this particular like, episode. And I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure there are some pre 1966 for sure, for sure. But, um, but yeah, uh, it, it was just immensely helpful and, and also just eye opening of like how many horror films have been made by female directors. Oh, for sure. Like when you sent that to me, I was like, oh, I'll scroll through. I'm sure. And I, I'd seen a few, but I just, it just kept scrolling. It's scrolling, yeah. and, scroll, and then at the end it was like load more. I was like, yes, okay, yeah. I have quite a watch list now, but um, also because I'd mentioned you know Summer Party Massacre, and some, I think that was the only one I mentioned on the previous episode when we were announcing this topic, and I was like, I just had a tingling for like the eighties, um, eighties slasher because I'd found you know, like five or six I think female directors that did slasher movies in particular, a very specific type of horror. Yeah. And I was going to go back to that. But once you sent me that list, I was like, oh, my God, it's just like you know, the world has opened up. I, holy cow. What do I pick out of here? But also, I, I mean, we mentioned it real quick at the end of the last episode. But like why? I mean, other than what you said, you know, uh, Women's History Month, but also in reaction to like our VHS action, like, you know, some of our we only have a few episodes in the can right now. But like there's there's been a couple of them pretty, pretty full of testosterone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And horror was something I wanted to revisit more throughout the year. And this made me do that rather than just in the fall. But that um, I was thinking originally of like there's a the film critic Alicia Malone has a great book called The Female Gaze that does. Obviously, it's a play on like the male gaze, but she's sure. kind of like taking it back. And she kind of does what that movie list did, where it was like she went through and p- picked specific films, not just horror, though, I should say, throughout film history that was like these were made and had a specific like auteur point of view because a woman was behind creatively behind the project. And I was like, I, I, the stuff I watched for this particular episode and, and remembered of seeing previously, I was like, I don't think you get that movie with like, you know, a a male behind the camera calling the creative shots. I think it would be different. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think just sometimes how some of these scenes, especially, you know, especially the films from the eighties, which had Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, female nudity, I feel like they're shot in a way that's a little more classy than (laughs) sometimes (laughs) when you had some of these other, uh, you know, especially like the Roger Corman style horror films by directed by men that sometimes just, you know, were very like, ogling i guess yeah, <laughs> roger corman i would say more of the russ meyer yes yeah. ogling yeah with the camera yeah um which but, to be fair the, the 80s slasher ones that i've seen directed by women still have like all the requisite nudity to it but i maybe it's something in my head where like knowing 
that it was, you know, like a female cinematographer, female director. Yes. It doesn't feel as voyeuristic and gross sometimes. Right. Maybe that's no, my I, baggage, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, you're right, though. There, I mean, there's still like a ton of sex scenes and all right. these things. But <laughs> yeah, it's just done in a, you know, a way that, uh, you know, it comes out a little classier, maybe. <laughs> uh, I'll say um, I'm going to put a pin in that for the um, sex scenes because I actually have a quote from my main one that i picked um about the actress saying like i was grateful that there was a female director like i was so much more comfortable having nudity in this movie oh absolutely absolutely uh you have any uh honorable mentions mike uh you want to throw out well we jump in yeah i mean i i was really deep in or uh digging into this list and i mean there were several that i unfortunately just due to like certain time restraints like i didn't get to watch that many, but, um, I will say that (laughs) just looking at some of the titles and looking what they're about, like I was really intrigued by the, the movie blood sisters, uh, 1987. Okay. Um, I, uh, I am a fan of humanoids from the deep. Oh, Uh, me too. You know, and, and that was one. I remember, uh, sometimes like my birthday 10 tended to, fall on a Saturday, which for anybody from the Cleveland area, you know that like the first or the third Saturday of the month is when the Cedar Lee and Capitol would show like a, a midnight movie oh, right. uh, or the cult film series. And uh, the one year my birthday fell on the, the day of Humanoids from the Deep. So I I, I got like a group of people to go. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun. But then, you know, there's, there's another one that's uh, more recent – I think it came out in 2018, uh, a movie called Revenge that I that I suggest. Yeah, that was uh, that's one of my honorable mentions too. Actually, we have yeah, very overlap. cool. Yeah, I mean, just a very cool uh, revenge story. Uh, you know, a, a very unique twist on it. And uh, I, I remember going to see it with a pretty lively crowd at uh, the Cinematheque a couple of years ago. Uh, where yeah, I mean, there were some some gas from the audience, which was oh, always fun. <laughs> I was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that one's really fascinating because, like, in the long line of um, you know horror films, there's a, there's it's very weird to say, but there's a subgenre of like rape revenge horror movies, like a spit on your grave is you know one of the the the, the one that maybe started that genre. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, but it's definitely one of those that stays in your head if you've seen it. And revenge really plays with that because there it does you know heads up for anybody who wants to watch it it does start off there's a rape scene and by the end of it though she's okay <laughs> yeah oh yeah uh, but there yeah. are a lot of squirming like it is a i, I kind of have it in my head as like one of those body horror ones where you're like i can't believe someone would sur- survive what she survived but also the pain she inflicts on the guys the three guys that are in the movie too you're just like i was squirming a lot like glass and but it's, I mean, it gets it gets grisly. It's one of those edgier seats, like like I can't believe I'm watching this, or I can't believe the pain this person's inflicting. Yeah, yeah. on the you know, and I'm yeah. also like I was kind of cheering for it because like <laughs> they have it coming. Like there's there's no doubt where the audience sympathies are are there. It's with Jen, the the female protagonist in that one. Absolutely. Sure. Any other ones for view? Yeah, my other shout out. Actually, I just watched a couple of days ago. It was another modern one. It's uh, Shadow in the Cloud from 2020 it's uh chloe grace moretz it's like it's literally her show um she plays a world war ii uh pilot it's oh yeah it's set in um 
well, it's not it's set in the air actually, but it's uh, from New Zealand because the director um, Roseanne. I don't remember her last name. Sorry, Roseanne. Uh, she's a New Zealander. She's a Chinese New Zealander. Uh, okay. Born and raised in New Zealand. And it got a weird release because it came out in 2020. <laughs> so <laughs> they played at whatever Toronto did that year for a festival. And it won their uh, Midnight Madness, like People's Choice Award. But then yeah. Amazon grabbed it. So I saw it because it popped up on Amazon. Um, didn't see it then. But it's one of those, the less said, the better about it. Because I yeah. only knew it was like, I, she's like a has a special package. She's on like a bomber jet. She hops on a bomber jet and there it, it, don't watch the preview. If you haven't seen it, it hinted at that old bugs bunny cartoon where there's like a gremlin on the plane. I was like, that can't be what this is about. <laughs> but I, I just was like on the edge, not edge of my seat, like in suspense. Although there is some, a lot of suspense to it. Like I couldn't believe what they pull off as a movie. Um, there's like, it's a mix of genres. So some people may be like, get out of here. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way it's a movie. Come on. Um, I saw somebody on, on letterbox mention, like if you were able to go along with either of the, any of the crank movies, like it's, it's over the top, but it knows what yeah. it's, it's it, and it hops genres and it's got a, it's got an anachronistic synthesizer soundtrack to it, but it's a world war two movie. Yeah. Like I was just smiling the whole time. I thought it was phenomenal. And it's definitely, yeah. by the end, you're like, Oh, this is actually like a, you know, like a feminist thesis wrapped up in this like crazy genre World War II movie. Oh, I'm going to add that to my list because I, I remember seeing the, yeah. you know, I, I remember seeing it showing up uh, during the pandemic and I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like that, that seems up my alley, yeah, but yeah. I just haven't had the, the chance to watch but it. But if it's intriguing at all, and I, I, it's one of those I would recommend for a great time, uh, don't read the synopsis on Letterboxd or IMDb and don't watch the trailer. Because after watching the movie, I watched the trailer, I was like, I would not have had that much fun if I knew that scene, that scene, that scene, and that scene were coming. Yeah. So. But yeah, so yeah, that's, oh my God, I can't believe we had our first overlap. That's great. At least yeah. it's our honorable mentions, not our actual picks. I don't know how long <laughs> yeah. it's going to take for that, but eventually someday we're going to pick the same one. Yeah, we're both going to pick the same movie. But. <laughs> so. All right, Mike, so what did you end up your actual pick for this watch challenge? So uh, I wanted to, I think as you kind of you know mentioned, I uh, wanted to go with the 80s uh, film that I had never seen before. And uh, I ended up picking Home Sweet Home from Ooh. 1981. It's 7 a.m. in Los Angeles, and our top story continues to be the intensive police dragnet for an armed and dangerous escaped mental patient. 26-year-old Jay Jones escaped from the Hobart State Hospital for the criminally insane last night after killing an attendant and leaving a guard in critical condition. Jones was committed to Hobart eight years ago after a lengthy and well-publicized trial following the bludgeoning death of both of his parents. We talked with a state police department spokesman shortly after Jones' escape last night. He's extremely dangerous, probably armed. He could be on PCP. Jones is Caucasian, 6'3", 220 pounds with curly brown hair. If you see anyone answering this description, stay clear of him. It is directed by Nettie Pena, and uh, if you look up her IMDb, she only has she only has two credits to her directing name. So, uh, you know, she first this was her debut, and then she made a video documentary about. um, I think it's like a a pro. Uh, environmental kind of uh, documentary called They're Not Green. But uh, this, all right, the, to give you the the plot of this movie, it is uh, an escaped mental patient 
steals a station wagon and makes his way to the Bradley's Thanksgiving celebration where he plans to make them a little less thankful. (laughs) Oh, my God. So right off the bat, I mean, this movie, I think uh, there is a there's a pretty entertaining YouTube channel called The Kill Count, uh, which I watched after I watched this movie which <laughs> has a very funny commentary about the, the amount of kills in this movie. And, you know, he mentions that, you know, at zero minutes, zero, you know, almost 30 seconds, you immediately have one kill in the film. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But uh, <laughs> the, the interesting thing about this movie is that it stars Jake Steinfeld, who is better known from the uh, late 80s, early 90s as Body by Jake. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I haven't so, thought about that in ages. He he plays the mental patient. Awesome. He's mostly a mute, but he, he makes like these like kind of growling sounds. I, I think this film would have been a little bit better if there was some kind of connection. Like if if his character was some kind of family member or something, you know, why why does he – you know, why is he going to this particular Oh, place? sure. It's never really explained. He just kind of, you know, he just starts driving and killing people. Uh, <laughs> it's like that, that in cold blood vibe of like the randomness is terrifying. Yes, yes. Um, there are parts of this movie that that were a little bit boring, uh, you know, especially when, when you're introduced to the to the family. You know, it, it's a Thanksgiving gathering. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, uh, there is a, you know, a large group of people. Some of them are horny, so they're they're making out. There is a, a man who has uh, white face paint and a guitar at all times. So he's just he's playing a guitar, going around. And his his character's name, I have to get this right because how uh, his name is yeah his character's name is Mistake. <laughs> so he almost looks like um, you know a Kiss Army member or like I was thinking like a mime or something. Yeah, kind of like a mime or like the mem- a member of like the germs or something like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, basically you're really there because a lot of these characters don't really matter, but you're really there for some of the inventive kills, I would say, oh, that, yeah, yeah. that are injected in this movie. There is one involving the hood of a car. I won't spoil uh, okay. <laughs> for okay. that. And then also... Uh, mistake has probably the most inventive uh, kill, uh, I will say, involving the his uh, aforementioned guitar. So, oh, what okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, you know, it's one of those. I'm sure it's not as well known, you know, amongst a lot of those early '80s slashers. Yeah, but I, I do give it credit for being a Thanksgiving movie. I, I, I don't think there's that many. Like Thanksgiving movies, there aren't that many, right. you know, aside from like planes, trains, and automobiles and all that. But, but uh, I, you know, I, I kind of wish that Thanks Killing was a real movie. Uh, like that, that, that they, uh, that was a fake trailer from Grindhouse. Grindhouse, yeah. I was like, but I, I think this is almost like the closest thing to that. Okay. But yeah, it was certainly, it, you know, a time capsule. It, um, and, you know, just uh, Body by Jake's uh, performance. <laughs> uh, interesting performance was uh, was just uh, one for the uh, one for the books. I will say. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's um. Well, I was thinking too when you were you were discussing the plot because your um your pick last time when you were talking about exploitation was Patrick, 
And yeah. wasn't that like it wasn't a mental? Was he? No, he was like comatose. He was. He was. But you know, he he went comatose for for killing his parents. So he, you know, the same kind of thing. I, yeah, I, I yeah. guess I have a thing for mental patients. <laughs> <laughs> well, also because like we were joking that Patrick kind of sounded like the plot for Halloween to a certain extent, right? Um, yeah. Although he wasn't like up and you know physically um, being a killer, he was using his mind. But this one. Home Sweet Home from 1981 definitely is is feeling some like after effects of Halloween and escape mental mental patient, especially steals a station wagon. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was kind of the car of the 80s, like to a certain degree, um, you know, for families. But, uh, you know, that's pretty. Uh, yeah, it was like, what if it was Halloween, but it said at Thanksgiving? Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm going to I'm going to have to do a, a deep dive, like to see maybe why this director only made one other film after that. But um, from, from what I've heard or from uh, what I've gathered is that most of the people who are involved with this movie who have some notoriety do not – they don't really mention this movie or they don't really look fondly Uh-oh. on it. So like like Jake, Jake doesn't – like I, I, I heard in an interview he was asked about it and he just like next question. The Well, I mean can we really – do we really want to trust Body by Jake anyway? Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the little girl in the film is uh, Vanessa Shaw, um, who, know you know, she was in like The Sandlot and uh, Hocus Pocus oh. and Eyes Wide Shut. You know, I, I heard she was interviewed about this this particular movie and also just refused to talk about it. But she was like five or something when she was. Well, yeah, I was going to say at that point, too. Yeah. Like, I don't remember. I was five. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or I mean, maybe it was traumatic. I don't know. Like, that's kind of. Child actors that young on horror movie sets are kind of, I mean, it's maybe it's the, like the dad in me, but I'm like, uh, are you being careful with that? Like, I don't, right. I don't know, especially 81. Well, you know, maybe, uh, you know, the, the director was probably very sensitive with, with the young actress. Well, maybe. yes, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> uh, so what did you end up picking, Aaron? All right. So I went with, um, so I, my two uh, honorable mentions are more current and I did that on purpose because I went with an older one. I actually went, pre pre slasher film pre 80s uh because there's this uh stephanie rothman film i've i've meant to watch um mm. i've seen a few of her other ones but i hadn't watched the velvet vampire from oh. 1971 also known as cemetery girls i don't know why um <laughs> but you know whatever you can do to get butts in seats i guess at a certain point yeah you will meet her at night in a dark place she's beautiful and she's waiting for you waiting to love you to death Who was this strange and beautiful creature who called herself Diane, who lived among the dead and the forgotten? Diane, there's one thing I don't get. The headstone said your husband died in 1875. And what were her sinister plans for the attractive young couple she enticed into her evil world? What was the source of the malignant power by which she drew them into an endless night of unearthly horror? So actually, you mentioned Roger Corman earlier. Stephanie Rothman comes out of the Roger Corman School of Filmmaking, New World Pictures, in fact. she She's fascinated for a little bit. I, I'm just kind of slowly working my way through because she doesn't have a huge filmography. Yeah. Um, but this was a good excuse to go back and watch this one. She uh, she studied filmmaking at USC in the, like, 1960s she's like one of those first people who were like there at when film school started you know yeah. first, first few years she's there and then she um ended up being the first woman to win the director's guild of america fellowship like as a student they'll honor like you know great work from a student um wow. she won that 
So I was like, all right, way to go. Another good first there. But then I, I don't know the politics or her biography that well, but like then she went to work with Roger Corman, which I'm a huge fan of Roger Corman. So by all means, go work with Roger Corman. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. the one who's going to end up giving us, you know, Bogdanovich and Bruce Dern and Nicholson and Scorsese and Luke, like, you know, that whole film school, like the film brat generation in the seventies, like yeah. all worked with Roger Corman. Pretty, uh, pretty, pretty solid way to start. But so she did some, I forget, like the student nurses or something, one of the uh, exploitation genre films. Sure. And that was a huge hit. So he was like, Hey, all right, we need you to do student nurses too. Cause you know, let's make this money. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, I, I don't really want to. And so she made Velvet Vampire instead, which she co-wrote with her um, husband, uh, who was also served as the producer of it. It's, it's really so the name of it is the velvet vampire so guess what we have in this horror movie we got vampires <laughs> but what's weird though is if you go with well, i don't know if cemetery girls works either i don't know what else you could have named it but i, I wrote down when i was watching it like actual what we would consider vampirism or like an, an act of a vampire or the word vampire yeah isn't used until like 40 45 minutes into the movie oh okay like it's, it's this great oh sorry the plot sorry uh so lee and susan uh male and female uh it's michael uh Blodgett from Valley of the Dolls or Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Sorry. Um, like he, rec- I recognize him as like, you've been in some other shitty movie I've seen. I recognize you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Russ Meyer uh, classic the year before. Oh, yeah. So I guess he was a little bit of a name. So it's, it's him, uh, Ely and Susan. They accept invitation of this mysterious vixen named Diane uh, to go out to their, her desert estate. And they do. And that part to me had some strong Rocky Horror Picture Show vibes. Cause it's like, yeah. it's a couple, they're married and they, you know, go out to this like totally out of the way thing. But instead of having Dr. Frankenfurter there, you've got Diane, who they will slowly learn as a vampire. But Diane is seducing them both. It's a vampire who's just like, oh, yeah, I'm here to seduce all y'all. So <laughs> it's really interesting. So that's what I had that kind of little bit of a Rocky Horror vibe there, but less um, less comedy, I would say. So it, it, it it's interesting how it plays with sexuality. And there is um, some nudity and some sex scenes in there. And as I mentioned earlier, the actress who plays um, Susan, Sherry Mills, but also Celeste Yarnell, who played Diane the Vampire, both mentioned in interviews how great it was working with Stephanie Rothman as director because when they had those like more sensitive scenes requiring nudity or simulated yeah. sex, she said that it was often just like myself, my co-star, the director, and I think it, uh, it was a cameraman. It was a guy that was a cameraman. So it was like sure. you know, very intimate. She like cleared the set. We don't make anybody feel uncomfortable or nervous or whatever. And also this is in the Roger Corman school. So it's like, you know, a hundred thousand maybe is your budget. <laughs> um, so it, it was like, okay, that that's, that's, uh, that's pretty, that's good to hear. You know, it's, it's taking um, care of the folks that you're, you know, creating this with. And it, the thing is though, it doesn't feel like, and I love a good cheapy Roger Corman movie, but it doesn't feel that way visually. Like there's this great, just sort of Gothic mood over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a cool, like late sixties, early seventies, well, there's a great rock song to kick off the credits, but like it's just really sitting with this kind of very gothic horror. But also the colors, because you're out in the desert, they just they really pop. Yeah, you're just around like all this bleak desert. But it it plays with so many vampire tropes that I loved it. One, I was like, I don't. When is the earliest female vampire movie? Usually, it's like the guy is the seductive, Dracula right. kind of character. So I dug that it was like this woman doing that same thing, but and also just seducing everybody, which is <laughs> gorgeous. So you know, I'd assume it would work for you know everyone. But then it's also just the way she frames like door frames and like these long uh, rows of columns. Like it's just it shows you how vast this like estate is that they're at, but also how isolated you are because nobody else is around. Yeah. Talking with vampire tropes, it's like the middle of the desert. That's not where vampires are supposed to be. 
so it doesn't really spend a ton of time setting up like oh here's the new lore of the vampire it just is yeah as you're watching because by the you know 1971 like the audience is like yeah yeah yeah, we got vampires no we got it you know fine <laughs> so that was really kind of a, a cool way a cool way to approach it that i was like i don't know if you're going to get that unless you have stephanie rothman and then you know her her uh, husband uh co-writing this and then her specifically directing it and i'm sure you mike you know roger corman like you could hear the pitch like oh, oh yeah sexy female vampire we can make money <laughs> with that because you know he's He's there to make the money, <laughs> yeah, uh, and whatever. So, like, yeah, but then unfortunately, um, it didn't uh, make that much money. It became kind of a cult film as you know, time went by. But based on her first movie being um, a very financial success for New World Pictures, this one was not. Um, she went out and she had a little bit more. She had a bit more of a career, but I almost I want to do like I kind of want to like add all hers to a watch list just because some of these ones, uh, you know, I'm, I'm using the movie page but uh i mean Terminal island looks very interesting uh group marriage you know, i don't it's like, oh yeah it seems like she has a very unique uh filmography <laughs> the uh she does i've seen um working girl she did in 74 it's one of those like sexploitation comedies though that you only get in the 70s like you just yeah. watch oh my god they would never make this movie now <laughs> um she uh I, I have a fascination, which we may have to do at some point, with like the beach party movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so I've seen um, one she co-directed, or did she direct it or co-wrote? She directed, I think, uh, called uh, "It's a Bikini World." It's terrible. <laughs> but her, 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 the first one of hers I saw was her um, and Jack Hill did Bloodbath way back when. Oh wow! It was like mid '60s, but like it's one of those '60s movies where you're like you see the poster, and you're like, oh my god, that looks so grist. No, it's nineteen. 19- 65 or whatever like it's not <laughs> that movie just yet but um, that's great yeah she's uh she was she's an interesting interesting director um and i i, I think the tone too i really like is like she she's they're, they're having fun with it like it's not a official like gothic horror movie but it has those elements but there's like some odd moments of like levity if not just outright comedy not inappropriately or like off dance tonally like it, it yeah. works we were like Okay, because like you, you could be hanging out with your wife and a vampire and not know it's a vampire, and also have a laugh every now and then. So, <laughs> so uh, you know that works. But you know, I, I think as we're talking more about this, and you know, we kind of talked about it at the beginning, but it's like the the number of opportunities that Corman gave female directors was, I mean, very ahead of his time. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I'm sure. I mean, I know he's still around. So, I mean, you know, at some some point when he's not with us i'm sure like that that's going to be probably i mean one of his leading legacies aside from you know like kind of helping the the, the horror genre get further along oh for sure for sure yeah i just clicked on his name he's currently 95 as of wow. this recording so oof yeah that was one of the anecdotes or not anecdotes one of the little uh, trivia facts i think it was on imdb was that um, he hired Stephanie Rothman right out of film school and the directors guild fellowship to be his assistant who the other applicant at the time was Julie, who would end up becoming his assistant and then his wife a few, a few years later. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, interesting. I think there's a documentary actually on, not to mention Corman so much, we're talking about female directed horror, but there's a yeah. documentary about Corman that does actually specifically mention how he was like, you got a good idea. You can put together a movie on budget on time. I, Geiger, I don't, I'm not worried about your gender. Come on in. Like, yeah. He was very, uh, very much like that. So, well, that wraps up our uh, female directed horror watch challenge. Mike, uh, it's your turn to pick the next challenge. What have you got for us for next time? I'm gonna let's go with black exploitation, a favorite. Yes, we're really hanging out in uh, 
exploitation. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many uh, offshoots of that that type of thing, though. Yeah, maybe after that we'll have to do like you know religious movie or something. Like super, like I don't know. We have party European. Yeah. But yeah, probably doesn't need too much explanation. I mean, that kind of I think that's a pretty well known genre. So don't need to really explain too much on black exploitation. That'll be our uh, our challenge for next time. So looking forward to seeing what you come up with there, Mike. Absolutely. Same to you. All right. and everybody have a great week. Yeah. We'll talk soon.